This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into episode number 134 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant, literally joined by Nick Maxson here. Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena here in Minot, North Dakota. Nick, pleasure to have you as always. We've got a really great show coming up for our listeners today. Of course, recapping another wild week in the NCAA. Very wild. Oh, it's been Holy crazy. Um, NCHC action has been wild as well. Uh, non-conference women's hockey even gave us some interesting plays. St. Cloud, the women's team almost... Oh. Almost did it again, nice. so uh, pretty impressive. Uh, it's been a tough wake-up call for a lot of teams in the NCAA, none of which uh, involve us in our tough wake-up call this morning, too. So hopefully, right. we can, <laughs> hopefully we can push through this as best as we can. But, you know, speaking of wake-up calls, the Reverse Retros 2.0 came out this week as well. So we're going to recap this, um, uh, as well as we're going to talk about the board advertisements. Are they working? A lot of people say no, and we tend to agree ever so slightly, I would say. So... There's there's points to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the technology. It's kind of like kind of like the Huskies Warming House podcast. The technology is kind of there, but not really. Um, <laughs> more more user error than anything. <laughs> we are here. Also, if you happen to hear any noise in the background, we are at a hockey rink. So uh, um, eight o'clock in the morning was the uh, the first game. Yeah. So as we walked in eight thirty. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine that you're up. Gosh, that that brings me back a little bit. Six thirty wake up time. You're probably at the rink by seven. Yeah. Yikes. You know what the sad part is? I can't imagine that. We had a game we were playing in Greeley, I think, in Colorado. And uh, I think we were playing uh, the University of Colorado, UC or whoever it is, CU, whoever it is. And, uh, yeah, our game was like 8.45 in the morning. It Gross. was just like – and you're like in college, and you're like, are you serious? Like we're playing – but it made sense because we played early in the morning and then dr- drove the entire way back. It's like a 14-hour drive back. Gross. So it kind of makes sense why they yep. did it. But nonetheless, uh, we also have uh, a very short and abbreviated uh, Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, by, uh, especially with a guy by the name of Phil Kessel. We're not going to talk about hot dogs, but uh, they certainly have nope. been working, so to speak. So let's get into it. Why don't we? We'll start, as always, with Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. So as you mentioned here, Noah, Center has a few news and notes. The Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. We're going to talk about Phil Kessel. We're going to talk about how apparently the secret to a long NHL career is the Oscar Mayer hot dogs. <laughs> apparently that's yeah. the secret. Um, is it relish? Is it ketchup, mustard? I don't know. He's got plenty of mustard left in the tank, though. I'll tell you that much. Uh, he could be. 
the person that can break the Iron Man streak. And how interesting this is this? In the last two seasons, we've seen the Iron Man, Iron Man streak broken once and possibly a second time in two consecutive seasons. Yeah, I mean, so weird. history in the making, right? I mean, you know, a 35 years old, potentially 400 goal scorer, 1,000 point scorer, top 100 all time in both statistical categories. I mean, he's got another month to get to 1,000 appearances, so he has a chance to be the first NHLer, obviously, Ever. to break that barrier. Would you have ever thought it would have been Phil the Thrill? No. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have. No. It's, it's funny because, we, you know, he gets the flack that starts in Toronto, um, and he just quietly goes about his business. He wins back-to-back Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, and, and to think that, can you imagine, he was a Boston Bruins pick back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. You know, here's the question. So he's supposed to break it Tuesday in San Jose. I believe mm-hmm. they play today and Tuesday. I think it's, he's got two games to get there. Yep. He'll tie it tonight or yesterday, whatever it was. And then Tuesday is when he breaks it. The thing is, if you're Phil Kessel, do you, are you cognizant of the fact that you just want to get to Tuesday and at least play a shift and then you stop worrying about it? Like, like you're at, you're finally got to this point. Could you imagine if he gets hurt? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think you get to a point where it's nice to have that Iron Man streak, but really what, I mean, but what does that give you? It's yes. It's a kind of a pride thing. Hot dogs. It's maybe more hot dogs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but uh, I mean, reality, I think if you were to ask Phil Castle what he really would like, I mean, he would have got two of those. He got back to back cups uh, with Pittsburgh. Uh, the Iron Man streak's another just little, you know, wrinkle in the feather uh, per se. But I think, you know, you get past it. Uh, lucky he's not on the Philadelphia Flyers bench. We'll just put it to you that way. Yeah. So you'll be fine. Yeah, certainly not. Uh, a couple of other, it uh, looks like, old bodies uh, kind of doing there. some damage. Eric Stahl, uh, one-year deal with the Panthers, a league minimum at 37 years old. I always thought that Eric Stahl had something left in the tank. Now, it was clear as the Minnesota Wild did not resign him. They were in the midst of a transition. They wanted to get younger. They wanted to get faster. So I get it, as painful as it was. I also think Eric Stahl is one of the best puck protectors um, in the National Hockey League, uh, especially during his prime. He was just unbelievable to watch. Uh, just really incredible hockey IQ and try getting the puck off a stick below, the, below the, the goal line in the offensive zone. It was almost impossible. Yeah, certainly weird. He hasn't played in the show in over a year, so kind of interesting to see that happen. So I don't know how effective he'll be. Weird that the signing is coming. I mean, he's supposed to be in the lineup today is his opening game, but weird that it took this long, didn't have a point in four. He had a couple of PTOs last year, didn't Well, he? he had one this year, but he didn't have a point. That's right. So yeah. weird. Weird. Very weird. Uh, speaking of bodies and uh, contracts, again, they still continue to roll through even as the NHL season does get underway. Uh, Flames goaltender Dan Vladar. Um, it? No, it's Ladar. The Vlad- V is silent. Is it it's really? Vladar. I yeah. thought it was Vladar. Vladar, whoever you want. Just wanna... like uh, Stahoyevic or Stahoyevic. 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 Easy for me to say. Yeah. For those for those didn't uh, call in, there was a, a guy uh, that I call Stahoyevic. Now, the name is spelt S T A C H. O-W-I-A-C-I-K, yeah. So whenever I see the C-H, my brain instantly freezes, and I'm not sure why. It, it Actually, I don't yeah. think I butchered his name once yesterday. Yeah, it's, so uh, it, it, was, it, it takes a bit to uh, to, to kind of it. dial that one yes. in. did have the game winner on Friday night, so if you go to the Null page on Twitter, you can definitely hear that goal call, by yes. the way. Uh, Ladar, he does get an extension two years, $4.4 million in total, so 2.2 per season. Uh, he's still a young goaltender, five years of age, just over a 9.06 save percentage, 2.75 goals against average in 23 games last year. Um, definitely the backup, you know, behind Jacob Markstrom. And uh, dare I say for the Flames that uh, Jacob Markstrom has looked a little shaky early on yeah. um, the last couple of uh, starts. So Ladar, he's been serviceable again with those numbers. So uh, hopefully Markstrom can pull it together. But if he does struggle or does need some time away, it looks like Ladar 
is the guy that they can rely on to put in some quality minutes. Yeah, speaking of taking time away, the Red Wings' Jakob Vrana uh, plays in the NHL NHLPA Player Assistance Program. The league announced on Wednesday um, he'll continue to be paid during his absence and can return to the Red Wings once cleared by program administrators. Of course, played two games this season and then missed the last contest. The 2018 Stanley Cup champion originally with uh, Washington, Washington Capitals. Capitals yep. I believe he was like 13th or 14th overall in his draft year. Uh, 32 points in 39 games since coming to Detroit. He's only 26. So I think it feels like he's a lot older, but he's been in the league for a while. I think didn't he break in when he was like 19 or 20? Yeah, he's been he's been in the show for a while. And uh, first of all, good for him uh, to you know mm-hmm. to actually you know go out and you know actually utilize the resources that are there. It's tough to see you know that he is having some struggles, but glad to know that he's taking advantage of some opportunities to try to right the ship. And so we're always supportive of that, and hopefully he does find yeah. uh, the support that he needs. Yeah, certainly. Uh, speaking of players that were young when they entered the league, a couple of injuries here. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog for Colorado out 12 to 14 weeks after knee surgery. Oof, that one hurts. Uh, uh, They've been doing fine, however. <laughs> Uri Slavkovsky for the Montreal Canadiens scored his first goal the other night. He's day to day with an upper body injury from Montreal. Scored his first goal and made the defensemen know about it, too. I yeah. Know if you saw that video, Trey. Yeah, he, was, was he, was, he was yelling straight into the, uh, the defenseman's face there. He was giving him the business. Yeah, <laughs> certainly was. Aaron Ekblad, a long term injured reserve for Florida. This one by with the Jeez. loss of Mackenzie Weger. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Toronto having woes as well with injuries uh, a week at least will be missed by Jake Muzzin on the back end there. And then Detroit, Tyler Bertuzzi out four to six weeks with an upper body injury. And welcome into episode number 134. Nick Maxson literally here with me alongside Noah Grant here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. We are here. Did you really introduce yourself in third person. That was fantastic. Well, yeah, I always do. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't change when we're in first person. Does it? <laughs> For those wondering, again, if you missed it in the opening of the show, we are at an actual hockey rink together. We called some hockey together, some NHL games here uh, with the Minot Minotauros. They earned a split on the weekend against Aberdeen. It was a lot of fun. Um, very exhausting weekend, though. Yes. Um, in, in fact, actually, when you're done with this, we are headed right to the airport. We are. Yep. So we're on a time crunch. So we need to hurry up. No, I'm just kidding. And then hopefully right to the bar for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one says you can't. I mean, as long as you keep it together on the plane. I mean, although 11 o'clock might be a little early to get it going. I got to be honest with you. No, I'm behind. Huskies <laughs> <laughs> Warming House Podcast. We do not condone drinking. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, things that might cause you to drink, Nick is going to be at the Vikings game next week. So have yes. fun with that. But we should have either um, a late Sunday night recording and Monday morning release, or at worst, a Monday night recording and a Tuesday morning release, depending on how traffic and everything works and if Nick is still upright. Um, and then... <laughs> or if the, the Vikings keep me upright. Again, they play yeah. the Arizona Cardinals, who uh, seem to have found some rejuvenation uh, last yeah. week. Uh, they put up 42 points against the Saints defense, so I'm a little scared because the Vikings defense has been suspect. Oh, come on. When have Minnesota sports ever let you down? Um. Do we have time for that? <laughs> yeah, we're actually going to skip everything, yeah, we're skip everything, and we're going to have a four-hour synopsis of Minnesota sports. Um, won't even take that long. You just need one sentence. Pain. Well, um, speaking of pain, uh, St. Thomas, a Minnesota team, very uh, very akin to that. Let's jump into the NCAA, non-NCHC schedule. I cannot wait to uh, be um, done with that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we'll kind of be done with be done with it but people will get it just just watch the show every week then you'll understand um <laughs> ben state uh blowing out st thomas and night number one six to two but then a three to two overtime victory for the nittany lions with 20 seconds left in that game st um, thomas had a claw back from two nothing two in that game yeah. to tie it so uh just 
heartbreaking way to end that game. They've got Ferris State next weekend. We'll talk about that. But like, Jesus, St. Thomas team, unfortunately, just can't buy a break. Rico Blasi is building something special there, but certainly the building blocks are taking a little bit uh, time to be late. He needs the aliens from uh, the pyramids in Egypt to give him a little bit of boost or something. Well, you know, and I think let's let's reset the expectation here, right? They are not even, you know, a year and a half into their Division One. Uh, you know, life per se. So, I mean, um, they are better. Again, it's it's not necessarily early right now that you're getting the wins and losses to where you would like them to go. Um, but, you know, as we talked about weeks prior, the, you know, they're being harder to play against. You know, they're still, I mean, 17 new bodies. I mean, imagine yeah. that as a team trying to be cohesive and gel, especially on defensive pairings as well as up front on line combinations. Um, and, you know, it's been poor starts. Again, on, on Friday's uh, 62, they got blown out 5 nothing in the first period. It was, uh, uh, dare I say, it was just, a, just a, the pain didn't end. And so putting yourself into a situation where you're trying to climb uphill for a team that has historically had trouble scoring goals doesn't help. Uh, but again, uh, every time you play, a better opponent, you're going to learn something, you're going to get better. So I still feel like um, they're going to still make trends. We're going to see more of a turnaround here the next probably month or two. Yeah, speaking of turnarounds, these two programs, especially UConn, has not been a powerhouse program. BU, of course, no. in the mid to 2010, mid 2000s to 2010, certainly was. Very wild weekend, a split on the weekend for the teams. UConn 4, BU 3, and night number 1. That one was an overtime. And then BU winning 5-2 to two against uh, UConn the second night. So again, both these teams have had success against Michigan, against Ohio State. I, I tell you what, this this further tells me, and Northeastern had a crazy run uh, this weekend. They they tied 3-3 three to three in overtime with Boston College mm-hmm. and then lost by one goal to UMass Lowell 3-2, to two, who's given teams some runs runs for their money. They're good uh, fits, yeah. Hockey East is, uh, you know, I know we don't really talk about the East a lot for various reasons, regardless of the fact that none of them are the state of hockey, but um, right. <laughs> the, 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 the fact <laughs> of the matter is, uh, this NCAA landscape is kind of wild out of the gate. And I know we've had a few upsets here and there as we've gone through, you know, years past, but it just feels like there's a little bit of parody. There's a little bit of, you don't know what you're going to get on any given night. And I think that's super exciting. It is. And the non-conference matchups are always kind of fun, right? Where you're kind of setting, you know, the early mark on where your team is at. Uh, you're playing, some good opponents. You're playing some opponents that you should beat, right? And um, dare we say that the the numbers tell us a, a different story, right? So um, it's exciting. Uh, I think the last couple of seasons we've seen um, essentially like a grouping that we thought for sure was going to be in the top 20. Yeah. And then everybody else was sort of behind. I think this year you're going to see a lot more teams be in sort of that bottom tier that's fighting for a last uh, playoff position. I really do feel like it's going to be a lot more tightly contested. I feel like you're going to see some new teams in, maybe some old teams out. Um, So it's going to be a fun year for college hockey fans, uh, nail-biting ones for sure on top of that. Yeah, speaking of nail biters, Lindenwood looking to bounce back. Unfortunately, losing to AIC by a score of five to nothing keeps getting more interesting. Game two is today on Sunday, so we yep. don't have a score for you. Also, another one to keep an eye on: uh, Holy Cross seven, AIC three. I think that one was earlier in the week. It was. Um, yes. So just keeping an eye on that. Holy Cross has given teams some fits here, and AIC has given teams fits. Um, Huskies fans know that very well. Um, so fits and uh, you know bedtime nightmares. So yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Although. Um, 
I mean, I get that when you're here sometimes too. So, I mean, who's to say, right? I mean, that makes sense. So, <laughs> well, uh, what's on tap for uh, teams in the non NCHC schedule here? Paying attention next week, we have some conference games here uh, starting starting to get up. Yep, finally. Yeah, yeah, should be good. Three in the Big Ten. Uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers do have Ohio State. Keep an eye on that one. Penn State will travel to Wisconsin, who um. Had an interesting weekend. We'll yep, we'll get to that. that. Um, and then Michigan State will travel to Notre Dame. Uh, in the CCHA 2.0, Bowling Green will visit Mankato. Um, and St. Thomas, like to mention, will visit Ferris State. So kind of curious to see how Rico Blase's squad fares there. I, I believe St. Thomas could probably get a win there. Um, Wasn't that their first ever win against Ferris State? I'm pretty confident it was. Yeah, I, yes. I would not be shocked. Um, dude, I don't even know what I had for breakfast this morning. We got up like an hour ago. so uh, yeah, Because you didn't have breakfast. I, did. I mean, I'm older and I remember that. Come on. Yeah, I did not have breakfast. So, um, but hey, why? yeah, you're over here looking like a snack. What can I say? Um, hockey East. I'm uh, so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> hey, you're the one who got on a plane and came over here to this America's Wasteland. Don't look true. at me. Um, <laughs> hockey East uh, Thursday game. Connecticut actually has BC again, I believe. So, uh, yeah, very interesting schedule that we've got going on here. UMass Lowell against Boston University. So, of course, UMass Lowell um, facing Northeastern this weekend. And Northeastern have both UMass and BC, so pay attention to that one and see how those. It's like they're doing like kind of a, just a rotation over there on with those couple of teams. That's kind of cool. Actually. Yeah. So and then RIT, um, who has had an interesting start to their season, they get Holy Cross and some Atlantic hockey action. So pay attention to that one. Um, NCHC here. Let's round up the NCHC teams. Miami. Continuing to roll, good for them. Five to three and two to nothing victories against Canisius. I don't know how strong Canisius is, but they got the job done. That's the most important thing. And I think they're what are they like? I think they're three zero and three zero and one. I yeah, think. or or five zero and one. One of the two. You know what? And even if you make the case, hey, you know this is non-conference. Uh, their opponents maybe weren't the best. Um, again, you know, you're setting yourself up to have a little bit of confidence to get your game rolling to the NCHC. Um, and as you said before, um, NCHC, anything can happen. Um, yeah. And it certainly looks like early that um, a couple of our picks are from our season preview are, dare I say, not going the way we thought struggling yeah. which is uh which is how these things go however so. however and i will temper the enjoyment of huskies fans don't forget the huskies last year had a really great start uh with their non-conference schedule too and then of course uh kind of petered off in the second half of the season so during conference play yeah so yes. which is kind of important uh colorado college traveled down to arizona state university five to three loss in night number one six to one in night number two down at mullet arena the cc team it's hard to get a gauge on them right now um and i kind of wonder if they're just struggling on the road um, or if ASU also is just really that good. They're supposed to have a pretty good club this ASU year. ASU so. is good. Yeah. Um, ASU does have some weapons up front, uh, a couple of NHL draft picks as well. Um, and Colorado College, too, uh, you know, we think they're going to take some steps. Um, but again, that takes time. Uh, they had some better showings earlier, their non-conference schedule. Uh, this maybe just wasn't their weekend. Obviously, we haven't seen the film, haven't seen the uh, the way that things played out, but uh, it certainly seems like uh, offense was struggling, and uh, well, so is defense. How about this? Uh, Denver University, 4-1 to victory and 3-2 to in overtime against Providence. This Denver team, uh, defending national champions, they've gotten the job done against most of their opponents, but mm-hmm. they haven't made it look easy. And you know what? That... It... I kind of hate that sentiment, and I'll tell you why, Noah, is that when we get to playoff time, isn't that the types of games that you have to win is those tight, contested contests? Yeah. Honestly, tight, contested contests. That makes no goddamn sense. Anyway. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it does. I just, using yeah, it's a tightly contested contest. Shut up. So... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's 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 the tight games. It's those close games that are, 
you know, the ones that you have to be mentally strong and, and you know, to stick with the game plan. Um, that, that tells you the story of a tested playoff performer, right? So, um, you know, the expectation that a defending national champion has to go blow the doors off your opponents, that's not how this works. I mean, ask the Colorado Avalanche. They blown out their opponents because they're the reigning Stanley Cup champion? No. So um, they're getting the job done. Um, they're doing what has to be done. Again, it's how you play the game, and you're getting the win, not necessarily the ending score. Yeah, they have had a couple of rocky games, though, and I believe a loss or two that just uh, has really struggled for them. Uh, another team that's really struggled, Omaha, um, against yeah. uh, Al Fairbanks, our best friend. That's Alaska Fairbanks, for those who are curious. Yes. Um, Alaska Fairbanks, 3-2 to two victory in overtime yesterday. Game two is also today, I believe. That one is in Alaska, so that's probably why the different start time. But yeah, this Omaha club, man. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, just can't seem to find footing. Um, and, and that's tough. Uh, we, we have them towards the bottom of the NCHC, um, but the non-conference has been indicative that they, they may be yeah. switching with another team. Yeah. They, yeah. They, could you imagine when's the last time we've seen Miami out of the cellar in, uh, in the NCHC? 2016 yeah um 2017 colorado college has had an interesting ride too i'm i'm still really high on them i still think they're gonna rebound they've been really good at home mm -hmm. but again interesting for them a split uh western michigan notre dame two to nothing victory for notre dame on friday western michigan four to nothing on saturday not often you see back-to-back -back shutouts, shutouts that go the opposite way so um yeah this western michigan team kind of um, interesting to get a gauge on them. I think they're going to be a team that's going to give teams fits. I mean, they're yes. probably good for at least a split every weekend, I think, I would think in yeah. the matchup that they go into. North Dakota, Minnesota, 3M Arena, mm -hmm. Mariucci, uh, Gophers winning in overtime 3-2, to two, UND winning uh, the next night in the same fashion. 5-4 to four was the final score. I believe it was like 4-2 to two or 4-1 to one North Dakota at one point, and Gophers clawed their way back in that one. Um, geez, powerhouse, heavyweights, heavyweight, yeah. uh, you know, slugging. Uh, good to see that building packed. Uh, it's even, about time. Yeah, even Seriously. if there was a lot of North Dakota fans, hashtag gag. Um, <laughs> actually, ironically enough, for those, I don't even know if we mentioned it, uh, the game's actually going on behind us. So the 16U and 18U Team North Dakota and Team Minnesota mm -hmm. uh, games. Of course, that's where I wore my CCM National Invitational from way back in 2015. Back, it still fits, but just barely. So that's kind of a scary thought. But uh, you, you know what still fits? North <laughs> Dakota, Minnesota, what a great rivalry. And uh, again, the, the fact that these two haven't been consistently playing in the non-conference aspect has been an absolute travesty to, to college hockey yeah. fans. It really has. And this is why, right? You know, two tightly contested date, uh, games down at uh, three at Mariucci. Uh, again, Minnesota pulling off the overtime victory. A uh, controversial call, of, but upon review, definitely wasn't a kick there by uh, yeah. uh, Mark Sendon, the captain. Again, the YZ native getting the uh, the overtime winner there for the Fighting Hawks in game number two, so a split. Um, but, I mean, and the building was electric. Yeah. And that's, you know, from, from what I get, that's the Mariucci ring that I remember growing up in. Again, because you remember back in the stone tablet era that I grew up in, right? <laughs> uh, the North Stars left, and then there was this void where the ticket in town was the Gophers. And so going into that rink, to me as a kid, it was always packed. There wasn't an empty seat. Um, it was ruckus. I, I learned some crowd chants that probably I probably shouldn't have learned. But uh, <laughs> at the end of it, it was fun, and this needs to continue to happen yeah. every single year, whether it's they just go back and forth between uh, – uh, the arena up there in Grand Forks and all there in Minneapolis. I don't care, but make sure that these two continue to schedule these games every single season. Yeah, certainly. Of course, the old WCHA rivalries continue. Duluth against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, oh, five boy. to two and three to nothing sweep of the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. 
You know, uh, this I we talked about this in MNCAA with our friend Max Veach, and I he's cautioned. our friend. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. Love you, Max. <laughs> uh, you know, I cautioned him because I'm like, this could be the perfect storm for Duluth. Yeah. You have a Wisconsin team that came in this winless and also not winning their exhibition contest. So yeah. the panic button was in full send mode there for the Badgers squad. So mm-hmm. they were going on the road. Uh, UMD not having the best showing down there at Mankato. Again, what was it, five or six shots on goal on Friday's contest and that yeah. first loss. Uh, that team seems to be out of sync. And then Going back and looking at the box score in this, a lot of self-inflicted wounds here yeah. for UMD, especially on the uh, the penalty side. Again, Isaac Howard, uh, he got uh, a game misconduct in the Saturday game. You get one of your best defensemen, Wyatt Kaiser, that was not only given a game, but also a suspension. So he was out for uh, not only the rest of Friday's game, but also the entirety of Saturday's game. So uh, UMD is reeling. Um, this is uncharacteristic yeah. um, of UMD this early in the season. You know, Max Beach always, uh, you know, posting things on Twitter about what it's like to be a Duluth fan at this time. I don't even feel bad for him. I mean, you got three national championships and we're the defending uh, back-to-back natty champs for like over a thousand years, days basically. or something like that. Yeah, so it's like 1,700 days or something that they were undefeated until they finally were bounced uh, in uh, by UMass, I yep. believe. So, um, which... Huskies fans know that team very well, too. But, us, yes. you know, that's the thing is this Duluth team. And I'm trying to get engaged. You know, I think Wisconsin, I think if they can find their footing, they're actually going to be OK. Um, they they just, needed this weekend. Yeah. And they, they need they need a little traction um, really when it comes to uh, the conference play, uh, of yes. course, in the Big Ten. But this Duluth team, I mean, if you're a Huskies fans fan right now, you need to be licking your chops a little bit here, potentially. I mean, this Duluth team, if you can get them on the ropes here, I mean, if they're having some flaws that go deeper beyond, oh, they struggled on the power play this weekend, or, oh, their defense was a little lackluster, oh, their goaltending was a little questionable, you know, this could spell disaster, you know, if Duluth continues to play, and granted, they played a very good Mavs team very tightly last Saturday. Friday was definitely nothing to write no, home about for no, sure. I don't put that one on the postcard. But if they continue to trend the way that they have been, geez, Nick, they might not even make a home ice uh, spot in the NCHC. Now it's very early, way too early for us to tell. Very, it. very early. Yeah. And, and, and again, we caution this, right, is that even when Scott Sandlin teams start slow, they yeah. always seem to pick it up at the right time. Now, question is, is that even when they did start slow in seasons past, they were still, you know, I don't know if competitive is the word, but games were much closer. You could see that maybe just a bouncer or two didn't go their way. They were still creating chances. Again, they had solid defense, solid goaltending. It just seems like a couple of areas there for UMD just just simply aren't there at all. And that's concerning. Yeah, it's definitely not the prototypical Scott Sandlin piece. We talked no. about how he's able to take a misfit puzzle and somehow mash it together every season. I don't know. This puzzle might be uh, expert, might be, expert uh, level and a half here. a thousand pieces versus 500. It yeah. might take a little longer. Yeah, super interesting. Um, St. Cloud State, I predicted this on MNCAA and the other show that we do. I mean, to a T, which will probably never happen again. So that's why no. I'm mentioning it while we can. And that's why they're giving you the wrong answer buzzer in the back. That was perfectly, <laughs> that was comedically timed. That was brilliant. Well, I, I mean, for other all comedic, uh, needs. That's why you're here, right? So that's true. Yeah, I provide um, nothing else. So. Yeah, um, uh, Saint Cloud State. I did predict that they would sweep the Mavs with one goal games both nights. Well, the Huskies mm-hmm. swept the Mavs with one goal games both nights, yes, three to did. two on Friday. A nail biter game winner from Grant Kirkshank, four to three on Saturday, with a couple minutes remaining in that one. Let's start with Friday's contest uh, to recap this. Here, Zach Okabe got the scoring started. Spencer Meyer and Vietti Mietnin, uh goal scores for the first goal for Saint Cloud. Grant Kirkshank from Zach Okabe and Kyler Cooper. 
Kupka. Jeez. And then uh, Kyler Kupka, the game winner, a good greasy little rebound that he was able to pick up from Grant Crookshank again. And Dylan Anhorn, another point for him this weekend on the power play. Huskies go one for three on the power play, two for three on the penalty kill. Did allow, uh, of course, a goal against there. Mm-hmm. Face-offs, unfortunately, 23 for 65. A real struggle in yes. the dot this weekend. Yep. Jackson Castor, 30 saves on 32 shots on that Friday night. Um, fantastic. Uh Victory Castor looks good. Yeah, certainly has. I mean, I think he's, t- he's taken a lot of flack uh, in years past, and it's nice to see him, uh, you know, kind of get over that hump a little bit. Uh, Saturday night, Grant Crookshank started our scoring from Micah Miller shorthanded. Uh, get used to hearing that, hopefully. The Micah Miller train is definitely rolling in full force. Micah yes, Miller also is. scoring in this game. Kyler Kupka, quietly a very good weekend for him this weekend as well. Till we talked about the importance of that top six being successful. How um, quickly has that Crookshank, Mike Miller, and Kuka line gelled? Holy cow. Are uh, they one, producing? One word, speed. Uh, yes. Certainly. Uh, third goal for the hockey game for the Huskies, Chase Brand from Andre Trayball and Joey Molinar. Good to see a couple of maybe guys that, you know, that's what we talked about with St. Cloud. The top six is scoring. The guys that need to score are doing their jobs. But then you get a little pick-me-up from those guys that maybe you don't expect to get on the score sheet a ton. Big spot, big moment, uh, three to 3-3 three hockey game. Grant Crookshank with just over three and a half minutes to play from Kyler Kupka. Fourth goal of the game, St. Cloud takes the sweep on home ice. Over three on the power play on night number two, perfect on the kill on four opportunities. Face-off still 28 for 65 in the dot. They got to work on that for sure. Uh, Dominic Bassey, 34 saves on 37 shots. Nick, what a weekend. Yeah, very good weekend for St. Cloud. And, you know, again, tightly, you know, tight tight games, um, as they usually are with the Mavs. I believe both games last year down in Macon were one-goal games as well. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I want to say I think the was first two one was one Saturday. I think the first game was like three to one or something three like to that. One. And I think Maybe it was an empty netter. netter but... So, but either way, they're they're close. Yeah. Um, these these two, uh, they they grind it out every single time. And granted, Saturday, uh, Saint Cloud was up three one at one point, yeah. and it was uh, some people waking up. Uh, Sam Morton being one of them. Um, one of the uh, the veteran players there for the Mavericks uh, trying to claw their way back in. They're able to tie it late, but then Greg Krukshik again, uh, you know, being getting. The Huskies over the hump. And, you know, we've talked about Crookshank before, and I want to ask you this. Um, you asked me last week if these two would be sort of the better, uh, shall we say, transfer portal pickups. I think Grant Crookshank early is making the case for, if not the best, transfer portal pickup yeah. that St. Cloud's had in some time. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, you know, Dylan Anhorn, two in the back end. I mean, he had a great point production weekends in the first four games of the season. Uh, you know, but with that being said, you know, Grant Crookshank has been a consistent force on offense. So it's hard to gauge, you know, just because of the fact that Grant, you know, is expected to maybe produce a little bit more on that forward side of things. But, gee, if they're both doing what they've been doing right now, certainly no complaints from Brett Larson and his coaching staff. What a great pickup. And I would love to hear his thoughts. Hopefully we'll have him on maybe around like Christmas time or something like that. We'll love to hear his thoughts on how that kind of transpired. I know Grant Kirkshank had looked at St. Cloud before he yes. went to Minnesota. Yep. Dylan Anhorn, a much different story. But, you know, St. Cloud is getting these elements at the right time. Their bottom six forwards are not giving up these drastic goals against. Nope. Top six is doing their job. You know, guys that struggled last year, think of your Vieti Mietnins, are starting to get a little bounce back. Um, your Kyler Kupkas, Zach Okabis, um, Yami Kranilas have taken the next step, although Yami Kranilas has been a little bit quiet this weekend, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, you know, everybody else is kind of picking him up there. Defensive core, they've got a lot of rotation, even with Josh Lidke out of the lineup, and they're getting uh, a tandem goaltending duel that really, I mean, you go back to maybe the early uh, year, first year for Brett Larson, maybe you have a little bit of that uh, with David Rennick, um, and I believe was it Joe Smith? I'm trying to think who was the 
Why don't I not remember? To think. Why don't I remember who that? Oh my gosh! Anyway, um, uh, Joe Smith. That sounds like an initial name, doesn't it? It, it does. Yeah, the most generic. Um, in the world. yeah. I don't know why that name popped in my head, but anyway. Uh, with that being said, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen a one-two goaltending tandem for St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. And to see them finally get that, to see Brett Larson and his coaching staff trust that and learn from that experience against Quinnipiac last year yep. and giving Jackson Caster the possibility to and having a very good third option uh, in James Gray as well, too. They have all the elements that are clicking uh, yes. in motion here. I, in fact, I do wonder um, when it comes to teams in the upper echelon in the NCAA, I mean, the Huskies are 6-0. and I bet you there's not many teams uh, around the country in general, but especially in the Big Ten, the NCHC, that can really come close to that right now, and it's a good sign. No, it is. And, uh, you know, the Huskies had a good non-conference record last year. In fact, that's what kind of helped buoy them um, to a a top-10 ranking in the NCAAs. Um, But this year feels different, and it feels different because the record's similar. What was that? I think they went uh, 6-2. and I believe in non-conference. Yep, but probably probably should have been seven and one if somebody's jersey didn't get tugged. Speaking of which, by the oh way, goodness. remiss to mention uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Nick Perbix, the guy whose jersey got tugged, absolutely blew up. Matthew Kachuk and ended up on a T-shirt the other yes, day. Yes, he did. So, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> Getting getting his NHL call up uh, earlier than I think uh, he anticipated there down in Tampa, where they're dealing with some injuries um, yeah. and some some different uh, things going on there. But um, you know, but back to the Huskies, uh, you know, the non conference schedule. I think for them this this year feels different because it feels like they're balanced and they're well positioned on every single like area of their game. Yeah, offense, defense, goaltending. It feels like that you know. Last year feels like the top six needed to produce, but the bottom six just wouldn't get the pick me ups. We're seeing that this season. Yeah. Uh, defense, you're carrying what eight, nine defensemen, and even with Ledkey out, they've been able to insert guys and line up, and they're able to contribute and, and play at a high level, right? And again, with Jackson Castor, who, I mean. <clears throat> For the fans who are still stuck on that playoff loss last year, get over it, number one. Yeah. Um, that's such a tough spot for a goaltender to be in. Yeah. Um, showing that when he does get consistent playing time, right, this is the goaltender that we always know he could be. And now that he's been firmly in the rotation on one with Dominic Bassi, um, we're showing what he can do again, uh, picking up a win on Friday night um, here to lead the Huskies to, again, another weekend sweep. So Joe Smith is an NHL name. It was Jeff Smith. That's what Jeff I was Smith, thinking. Yep. I Think about that. 2018-19 feels like eons, eons ago. ago um so apologies joe jeff whoever you are um J- <laughs> jim james too many j's name your kids something unique sorry um anyway with that being said speaking of uniqueness our first nchc action is already next weekend mm-hmm. uh first matchup miami will travel to denver for the first conference play of it'll the be, season it'll be tough for miami but you uh, know what like i said this denver team has been kind of up and down miami's been treading in the right direction i dare i say miami could steal a point or two from this Maybe from this Denver team this year. We'll I see. would certainly be nice. It's a hard building to win in in Magnus Super Arena. That's hard. That's for sure. Uh, Western Michigan will be at and then at home versus the Michigan Wolverines. As now, of now, yeah, <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> we'll see if it actually happens. Um, yes, game slated on the docket and should happen. So, of course, keep an eye on that one. Omaha will travel to Long Island to face uh, LIU. Um, Cornell will visit Duluth. Duluth, that is a much needed weekend for them to get some confidence yes, they back. Do. My goodness. Um, Colorado College will be at home and then traveling to Air 
Force Friday, Saturday. So keep an eye on that one. Air Force, we've tagged them a little bit in some of our scores. CC could at least use a split, if not better. They did beat Air Force earlier in the season, I believe. You are right, yes. So um, if that doesn't happen often, so we'll definitely keep that recording for later. Um, Arizona State will travel to North Dakota and play only on Saturday, a one-game set, as far as I saw, um, unless I missed something. A lot of scores to kind of sift through. And then St. Cloud will be traveling to and then at home on Saturday against Bemidji State. So Sanford Center Friday at home, Herbrooks National Hockey Center Saturday. Bemidji State, really not a big sample size for us to really look at for them. Had a decent weekend against Michigan Tech. Obviously, this weekend, I believe, 5-2 to two victory that we had mentioned, then 2-2 two to two tie, I think, um, um, from what I had mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, not really anything to expect here. I think if you're St. Cloud, really just simply trying to keep the train rolling and continue doing the little things that you've done right, not get really... Um, I, maybe you almost even relaxed a little bit knowing that some of these other teams have struggled in the non-conference games and just realized that you're really more focused on the game that you're playing. And like I said, if you outshoot them by 25 and you lose by one, well, kudos to BSU. Try not to let it happen again, uh, but just you know keep the train rolling and do what has made you successful for the first six games here. And Bemidji State, we know, again, with Saratori at the helm, you know, the type of game style that they play. Uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're an opportunistic team on offense, so they love to lock things down defensively, especially between the blue lines, especially in their own offensive zone. And they, they run that one 2 2 four check to that hard, heavy style. So um, I still think it's going to pose St. Cloud a different look, which is good. Um, that's why I like seeing this non-conference. You're getting different teams with different styles of play. And it's forcing you as a player to go deep inside, you know, your, your hockey IQ and to remember that, you know, when you're, you know, against this four check, this, you know, these are your options out of the zone. It really helps you keep things fresh. Um, and so, uh, you know, Bemidji, again, St. Cloud's had a better of them on paper, but if you go back during the games, they're closer games uh, than people realize. Mm -hmm. I still remember going up uh, to Sanford Center a couple of years back uh, for KVSC Radio, and uh, that was when the final years of Jack and Nick Paling, so before yeah. the uh, pandemic. Two ties. A couple of ties, yep. and uh, St. Cloud had to battle back in both of those games. In fact, got a couple of shorties, I believe, in one of those games uh, to try to uh, pull out a, uh, a tie um, in that contest. So uh, Bemidji can give you fits. And, yeah. and again, we said this before, it's more that Bemidji – they get you to be frustrated, especially for a uh, speed and skill team. Yep. Um, and then you start to open up things, and then that's when Bemidji uh, takes advantage is when uh, you start to show a little bit of uh, chink in the armor. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Bemidji likes to be a very strong defensive team, like you had mentioned, so we'll keep an eye on that one. Should be exciting, of course. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night, definitely make sure you pack the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. I will say that. Um you know, of course, with seeing 3M Arena at Mariucci, the great traveling course by North Dakota fans, whether you want to admit it or not, dude, pack the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Yeah. That building should be sold out almost every night, especially when you're playing these local teams. You know, part of the reason the old WCHA rivalries and, of course, uh, you know, old Minnesota, you know, Midwestern rivalries, um, when they're renewed, you got to pack the building and make sure that every night matters. So yes. um, moving over to the women's side, uh, speaking of Bemidji, they traveled to Wisconsin. Was not a fortuitous experience for no. them. Uh, eight to nothing and seven to one Thursday, Friday scores for the Badgers who continue to click along second uh, in the standings right now. Um, Mankato traveling to St. Thomas. Mankato winning three to one and two to nothing. Also a Thursday, Friday matchup. A lot of Thursday, Friday games this week. So um, I'm waiting for that 
to die down. What is this hockey <laughs> East? Um, and then uh, Duluth traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State winning three to two in overtime on Friday night, and then three to two in regulation yesterday. Um, yep. So that one was definitely one to keep an eye on. This Duluth team has kind of been uh, the team to maybe watch for as far as eking into that fourth place spot. So St. Cloud um, looking to have a little bit of success. They've had three really tough matchups against they OSU, have. Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Um, they had Minnesota at home and then on the road at Ritter yesterday. Uh, Minnesota winning four to two on that Friday night, two to one on that Saturday night. Nick, we got a chance to watch this game, especially this team, especially on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Friday though. Clara Hemlerova opening the scoring with Taylor Lind in that game, and then Olivia Savar from Nina Newland and Dale Ross. The two goal scorers and assist makers on that Friday night. 0 for 4 in the power play, 2 for 3 on the PK. Not too bad on special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 for 51 in the faceoff dot, though. Yikes. That's yeah. got to be cleaned up. Uh, um, uh, Jojo Choback, 32 saves on 36 shots on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Saturday, the game that we took in, it was a 1-1 to game until the Gophers scored late with about 4 oh, minutes remaining. That was tough. Bad off the back wall, too. Yeah, That's tough. Emma Gentry, uh, opening goal of the hockey game from Courtney Hall. That was the only time the Huskies will get on the board. 0 for 5 on the power play. Perfect on the PK. A perfect 7 yes. for 7. Uh, 20 for 63 in the dot, though. Still needs a lot of help there. And Sonia Hola, 43 saves on 45 shots. Um, Nick, this team, uh, you know, when you look, especially when we watched on Saturday, positionally, they are much better at, at the way they play the game, even in their own zone, even if they're being outshot. Um, the offense is certainly there against a team like Minnesota, who I believe is going to be a very good team to contend mm-hmm. with this year. Three straight matchups for this St. Cloud team. Yes, they're 0-6 right now with an overtime loss in there. Probably could have stole one against Wisconsin. But, Nick, signs trending in really good directions here. And we've said that before against really good teams. Uh, The important part is for them to carry it over against these teams that they should get wins or at least compete with. But uh, saying that, for the most part, you are relatively competing with Ohio State, probably the best team in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Badgers, who obvi- obviously always have a good group, and then Minnesota, who's a tough team to beat. Uh, it's been mighty impressive to start, I think. It has. And, you know, the one thing that we took in yesterday's game against the Gophers, no one, I think this has to be uh, said out loud, is they were trading back and forth offensive chances. Yeah. Um, dare I say it wasn't that long ago where a game like Minnesota – you would uh, watch the game and dare I say the camera sometimes didn't move for, yeah. you know, a couple of minutes. The Huskies were hemmed in. Um, they got gas. All they wanted to do was ship the puck out. Mm-hmm. Now they actually were countering. Um, they had some good yeah. offensive chances. There was a couple of times there late in the third two where they had some great A opportunities as well. So they're creating chances. And then again, perfect in the PK on Saturday. They do give up one power play goal on Friday. But again, uh, that has been much improved this season. Again, Brian Idolsky, one of the big uh, things that he's really good at is that defensive zone, uh, zone structure. In fact, a 90% penalty kill uh, when he's uh, coaching uh, the, the national team for China this last world uh, little championship that uh, he was at the helm for. So um, the structure is there. The team looks more cohesive up and down the ice. And again, they're not just you know sitting back and, and just trying to protect their own end. They're countering. And yeah. so that's a step. Um, and you kind of wonder too, as we look at St. Thomas and the men's side, right? Is it, again, as you mentioned, how do you carry, how do you continue to build? Is that you can't just stay at this level and now how do you build another level each uh, week? Mm. And so they have an opportunity, as you mentioned, you're coming up against uh, Zip Bemidji, right? 
Yeah, we'll get to that in yeah. a second. The transitional, oh, Thomas, the transitional game has certainly looked very good for this team. And something that we really haven't said as of recent is that they're able to weather the storm a little bit, keep teams to the outside and actually counterattack a little bit or at least alleviate pressure if they're you know in trouble. So yeah. um, this team certainly has a different look to it, a different feel. Um and it's super exciting. You know, I think that this is what we were looking for from this program. I mean, literally, Nick, I think if they have success against the maybe bottom, bottom echelon teams, the teams that are not the, the big three, so to speak, and maybe throw Duluth in there the way that they've at least started, um, you know, if you're able to win those games, this team could easily compete for a fifth spot in the WCHA. Like I said, they're 0-6 right now, so it's a little bit misleading. They're going to have to put some wins together at some point. There's no doubt about that. No question. Um, yep. But with that being said, uh, you know, take the experience that you have. Really, I'm super excited, but also a little bit nervous to see, can they finally carry it together for a full 120 minutes against some of these teams that yes. they really should compete with very well on paper. So, um, let's look at the standings here in the WCHA, Ohio State, um, pulling up the front 23 points for them, eight wins on the season. Uh, Minnesota in second, 18 points, six and zero on the year. Wisconsin also six and zero, one point behind because of that game against St. Cloud. So, uh, 17 points for them. Mankato in that top four spot right now with seven points, two and six in the season, had a couple of uh, wins this past uh, weekend that certainly bolstered them. Uh, Duluth, uh, two to two. Uh, two and two, excuse me, four points on the season in the fifth place spot. St. Cloud, like I mentioned, 0 and six, the only other team, actually the only team that has not won a game that actually has a point uh, in the WCHA right now. And then St. Thomas Bemidji, 0 and four and 0 and six, respectively. What's on tap for the WCHA? Mankato will visit Bemidji. Uh, Wisconsin will travel up to Duluth. Very curious to see how that one ends up. And then Minnesota traveling to Ohio State. That is must watch hockey yes. uh, yep. for sure. St. Cloud will be at um, St. Thomas on Friday and then at home on that Saturday Saturday versus St. Thomas. So again, get to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Um, it might be on the call for Saturday's contest. We're waiting to see. Yeah, so uh, provided, provided Nick um, can find a way onto his plane at an appropriate yeah, right. time here today. <laughs> um, so St. Cloud, uh, looking ahead to them for uh, St. Thomas, got to have it, man. You just got to have them both. And I think, you know, Again, there's no moral victories in hockey, but I think you can take a lot of positives from that weekend in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Um, home and home. Again, the Gophers are a tough opponent. They have the, the skill. They have the speed. Uh, and the fact, you you could see that they were frustrated at times. The Gophers yeah. were um, trying to get to those interior parts. The St. Cloud defended the house very, very well. And we were watching them on Saturday. So, mm -hmm. um, again, giant steps. Again, sometimes, and, and again, in hockey, uh, Brett Larson, again, starts. You got to start. From the back end and work your way forward. Um, this Huskies group is defending much, much better. Um, they're breaking out much better now. If you can get just some of those offensive plays to click, um, now we're starting to talk here for a fully balanced squad here that can both produce up front as well as keep the stuff off the uh, off your own scoreboard and back. Yeah, well, let's talk about a team that is absolutely rolling. It's not the Minnesota Wild, but that's what no, we're going to talk not. about. Um, geez, man. <sighs> This group, no, I tell you what, man. Okay, looking at the standings right now, they are um, after the wild card spots. They are in six right now. They are one, three, and one in the season after five games. A three hundred winning percentage. Only Anaheim, Arizona, Vancouver, and San Jose sit below them. Um, Anaheim essentially has the exact same record. Uh, two more goals allowed. Uh, Vancouver is zero four and two. Has yet to win a game this season. Yikes. San Jose in the rear um, uh, of the Western Conference, seven games, played one six and zero on the season, um, both with two points respectively. Minnesota has three points. Um, they are Minnesota is essentially two points out of a wild card spot, which is kind of wild to say. Nashville is 
holding that spot right now at two, four, and one with seven games. So there is a chance for the Wild to still climb out of this. Yeah. Um, they do have uh, Montreal coming up here. I believe it's um, – I have it listed as Tuesday, but I feel like it's Monday. Maybe it is Tuesday. I think it is Tuesday. Um, no, it is Tuesday. Uh, Ottawa Thursday, Detroit Saturday, and Chicago Sunday. Um, a chance for them on this five-game road swing here. Getting an overtime loss against Boston really took the Bruins way too long to score for really you know, a game yeah. they should have definitely put away. This wild team, man, there are some fundamental problems with this team right now. John Merrill was a great addition on Saturday. Those certainly looked very good. Flory looked much better. Yes, he did. Um, you know, and this is a conversation that we had in our personal group chat about how, you know, oh, there's no question in my mind now that Mark Andre Flory is the goalie of the future. Philip Gustafson, you know, he's just not that NHL capable goaltender. Honestly, I think both of those arguments uh, don't carry as much weight for me. I don't know about you, but so a couple of things, right? Uh, because a lot of people have been, dare I say, going into, you know, Minnesota sports world. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and more so, you know, reminiscing of Cam Talbot right now, mind you, Cam Talbot did play pretty decently. Yeah. But again, if he was that good, then why did Bill Graham go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury? And then why did Dean Emerson start him in the playoffs, which that's a whole separate discussion. Whole separate but, discussion. Yeah. Um, I think that was mismanaged yeah, in, agree. My, in, my, yep. in my personal opinion. But um, at, at the end of the day, um, when Cam Talbot in his mind earns a starting position, which I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Um, and then you sign a backup goaltender to a two-year extension. You have a 1A, 1B tandem. We've said this before in hockey. It's really tough to have two number one-minded goaltenders on your roster. And Cam Talbot made it perfectly clear that he was not going to be a backup goaltender. Yeah. Um, so Bill Guerin makes the trade, gets Philip Gustafson. And the thing that people have to remember about Gustafson, he's not that he's a young goaltender. He hasn't had a ton of NHL experience. Mm-hmm. So some of the comments that we see on social media are, you know, he's not an NHL like caliber goaltender. And I'm like, BS yeah. one. Uh, and number two, you know, and to say that it's it's a small sample size. Yeah. Um, and if you're gonna pin the one loss on him, um, Again, the team itself defensively has been um, an absolute, you know, nuclear explosion. It's been yeah. terrible. You know, he had he had that one goal, that dumping that was tough to handle for him. But again, you know, uh, two defenders get beat in that race of that puck that goes in the back yeah. of that too. So need a little pick me up from the defense as well too. You know, like you mentioned, he's played twenty four or twenty five NHL games. He's only twenty three years old and was on a very poor Ottawa team the past couple yep. of years. Uh, of course, had success at the international level, World Juniors for Sweden a couple of years ago. You know, has certainly proven himself at every other ranking. You know, that's the thing is i think that you know you look at jesper wallstead who's 19 you know about to be 20 years old you know what's the difference between 20 and 23 for goaltending as far as the nhl concerned not much and that's the thing where it's, it's a very small sample size and to say also you know mark andre Fleury, you know he's the goalie he's the guy he's the starter well at the same time you know he's a very over aggressive goaltender that gets caught swimming around too and plays a very retro style of play that sometimes doesn't mesh with today's game philip gustafson is a very more controlled very more technical goaltender you know there's strengths and negatives to both goaltender but goaltenders but you know and i'm not denying that mark andre Fleury might not still become the guy at some point here no. but i think it's too early to tell that and i think it's too early to write off philip gustafson and this minnesota wild team has a lot of other things that really have to be sorted out and on top of that for us to really get a strong answer this is not this is not the minnesota wild of yesteryear where the defensive play was really strong and devin dubnik, devin dubnik led in a greaser in a 3-3 yeah. hockey game from the red from the goal line with three minutes left in the game right, right. you know so um and and just for for wild fans to remember this for, let's let's go back to kakinen yeah. Um, he was the reigning AHL goalie of the year yeah. when he was called up and got his big boy contract, right? So there was a lot of hype surrounding him. Yeah. 
look what happened. Yeah. You talk about he was what on a ten game winning streak, and then uh, just speaking of you know goaltending, you know tech, you know technique, whatnot, it fell apart. Yeah, um, and it fell apart enough to where they traded him. Yeah, um, and you know he's been okay in San Jose, um, but you just you never know until you give him time. And again, you look at the Minnesota Wild schedule; they have that back to back Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday in Detroit and Chicago. He's going to have to go one of those nights, and so yeah. you know, for Minnesota again, you talk about the defensive woes more so about the five guys that are playing in front of the goaltender. Um, we're going to get a real good look here. I think they were better in Boston. Um, they still are chasing the puck a lot, which is not good. Um, and at the end of the day, if you can give your goaltender a fighting chance and not force him to overplay pucks, a.k.a. Marc-Andre Fleury, um, you'll be better off. And so um, I think you're going to see a much better, more composed Philip Gustafson in one of those games, whichever one he starts. And uh, I think you're going to see more clearly for those who watch the game that the goaltending, yes, Fleury had some struggles early. I think he's been better now that he's got some more playing time. Yeah. Uh, but you see, goaltending was not the number one problem. It was more the domino effect of the much larger problem in front of him. Yeah, certainly highlights, though, for this team. I mean, Matt Boldy has looked exceptional here. I really mean, Matt Zuccarello and Kroprizov have still looked good. The plus minus is not great. Also, I know we were kind of joking, Alex Micheletti. I told him, you know, privately, you know, he's talking about how everybody is minus. I'm like, everybody's minus on this team, Alex. It's yeah. not really a stat that you can, you know, use. But really, uh, to wrap up the main portion of the show, Nick, what do the Minnesota Wild have to do this week to kind of right the ship a little bit? Again, it's it's we can say that nauseam. They really just have to be in tune with the defensive structure. That's really what it comes down to, and that includes the forward group in the ice, right? Um, you, you know, a lot of the defensive game gets placed on. You know, I know Matt Dumba's name gets thrown around. He had a couple of tough nights. There's no question about it. I've been a staunch defender of Matt Dumba. Yeah. He has been shaky early on. He has been shaky. There's no question about it. But if they can reel that in, if they can help support, and especially in breakouts, do you feel like even in the Boston game, um, I saw some forwards that I feel like were getting a little bit too far ahead of the play yeah. and not giving the defensemen options. So they can just and, sort of collapse back. And that's where you mentioned Matt Dumba, by the way. And I know, obviously, we talked about the trade bait. Here's the thing about Matt Dumba. And, you know, of course, they have him sheltered a little bit with Jonas Rodin, which they should, a very defensive defenseman. Um, but the thing is, you know, if he's making $2.8 million a year, I don't think wild fans complain as much. I think he's he's they still, still an, he's still, an, still well, but I, be real. but I, I still think he's an NHL caliber goal or uh, defenseman. He is someone who still brings value to that blue line. Now, do you, do I agree that you probably got to shelter his minutes and really not have him in a lot of defensive situations? Sure, probably. But I think he's yeah. someone that still generates uh, a fair amount of puck possession, or at least you know makes a creative play at times that certainly keeps defenses off balance at times. Yes. He shoots a lot of pucks in the shin pads. Yes. He makes the, the very poor decision, um, you know, a fair amount of the time, unfortunately, but I also think that he is someone who brings a lot more value than someone like maybe let's say last year, Dmitry Kulikov, Dmitry Kulikov at the tail end of the year was an absolute pylon. Matt Dumba defensively might be that too, but he'll at least give you some offensive spark, some mojo, something um, that you can definitely bank on. So going to be interesting contract here, not the greatest assertion, for him, like you had mentioned, not the greatest of starts for the Minnesota Wild, so we'll keep an eye on that. With that being said, we are going to head on over to our extra ice session. We're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild a little bit more, some reverse retro uniforms, and the board advertisements for the NHL. And welcome into the Extra Ice Session, episode number 134. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant, who whatever person I'm referring myself to, you know, in apparently that's a 
that's a hot topic. As long, no. as, you're not, as, long as you're not Dahmer, I think we're fine. You know, half the time I, I always say that I introduce myself as you, and that's a scary thought in and of itself. Know, but right? that's, you know, um, what can you, we you say? Don't want, about... You don't want that, Tylene. Don't trust me. Well, speaking of uh, all of those things related, let's start um, before we get to the reverse retro jerseys, jerseys which I think is going to be probably the, the main part of this extra eye session. Let's talk about those board advertisements um, in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, there's some things that are working. I think there's some, uh, for those who haven't seen it, by the way, they essentially are the, the moving graphics and the changing graphics that are superimposed on the TV broadcast. Obviously, it's only on the main actual um, view for right. uh, for the actual main camera of the broadcast view. But I think it, it kind of depends on the building that you're in. It depends on the advertisements and they've gotten some things right. Like, let's not forget, like the technology is pretty incredible at times. Like they've gotten some things right. They've also gotten some things where they haven't gotten it so right. And, you know, for me, I think you some of the issues that we're seeing one, obviously, especially at the wild games, that lower set camera angle, you're seeing the stanchions and things get clipped. Same thing with the boards, with the doors opening. I don't know how they remedy that. Um, guys sometimes get like hands, gloves, skates sticks lost on that far end when they get hit along the wall and that we're not saying it's going to be perfect really i think where the biggest issue is actually and where it's the most noticeable there's too much motion yeah when it comes to that more static advertisements you know just the rotating ads i think would be perfect and this is where this thing is working and it's also not working right and Nick, what the hell? What do you mean it's working? This is a new ad revenue stream for the NHL. Um, Dare I say we missed one big part of NHL news is that the projection now has the salary cap could increase by $4 million next season. Again, uh, the NHL has has had to take a long look at their income streams. And the pandemic, as unfortunate it has been, Kind of forced them to do that. They were much. Uh, they were basically a ticket revenue generated league. Yeah. Um. So that was what sixty to sixty five percent of the revenue. Yeah. Um. So this is where the helmet ads, now the jersey patches, and now you're seeing these, you know, dynamic board ads, right? Is and I'm with you on that. I think if viewers to kind of make them like the ring boards. Yeah. Um. And then just kind of change them through. It's not as distracting to the viewer. Um. But unfortunately, I mean, what's what? Let's look at the NFL broadcasts. Mm. Um dare I say every 10 seconds, there's some kind of moving graphic, some kind of ad that both Fox and CBS and even NBC um, are using in a very creative way. So, but certainly the argument for a sport like that, you know, football has a lot of stop and go same with baseball. Hockey just isn't the same way. But the thing is, is that NHL is looking at those different ways to creatively generate revenue. And this is a way that they are looking to do it now. This may last and it may not last, right? This is the thing about, you know, these newer sort of revenue streams, including dynamic board ads, is that, you know, it's an idea. Um, You know, there's going to be feedback from both advertisers. Ones are actually paying the money for it, as well as the viewership. And they kind of wonder that, uh, you know, after one season, will they make adjustments to it? Will they make it more static? Um, Are the advertisers getting the value or the return on investment as they're looking for? Um, So in that sense, I still think it's good that they're at least testing something out, right? I still feel like the NHL um, is trying to think outside the box, which... How many times do we get to say that about the NHL? You Not know, very often. You know, and I think there's portions of it that look really cool. I mean, the fact that, you know, the boards kind of brighten up a little bit when you don't have the puck yep. marks is super cool. Um, but then, obviously, when you change camera angles, very noticeable, you know, when you yep. go to different cameras down below. Um, you know, the technology, I think, just simply put, is 
almost there, but it's not quite there yet. Well, remember when the NFL, I mean, we, we look at it for granted now, but you'll watch an NFL game. It's been, what, 10, 15 years, just the the first down line. Yeah. You know, the technology to put a yellow line on the field and to have it underlaid over live motion. Yeah. It, I wish there was, and I know that you can probably look through this thing. I mean, YouTube's not the Encyclopedia Britannica of yesteryear. Yeah. Um, the technology... Um, and the setup to make just that line happen on NFL Sundays is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And also, you know, the other piece too, how that has even changed from, like you mentioned, a graphic just simply getting a line underneath or actually on the screen at all. Now you've got, you know, these these moving arrows, these motion graphics that do show those first down, you know, potential to get into field goal range, all of these things that show up. Um, you know, we've seen it uh, as well, even in the NHL side, you know, being able to point out who are the guys on the ice when they're actively moving and shifting. So there are a lot of really cool things coming from the NHL. Not everything is going to stick. We recognize that, you know, broadcasting TV is not a perfect world. Just think about it. Nick and I are in it, so it can't be right. Um, remember, I think the worst the NHL remember the, uh, the puck on fire. Yeah. The heated puck yeah, back yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. Where you, uh, where you essentially got to see where the shot was going. And you know, not that that was like, utterly terrible because if you're a fan who has a tough time tracking the pocket certainly would have helped you but there were uh yeah there too many flaws that just didn't make yeah. sense within the game but you know think about that technology back in the late 90s early 2000s that was, that was groundbreaking yeah at the time. incredible yes. i think it was 1998 was when they first rolled that out so think, think about that right. yep. Noah grant was too um <laughs> with that being said uh how do you feel about that one i feel nothing <laughs> what's new yeah right exactly <laughs> well some people felt nothing. Some people felt very uh, animated about uh, yeah. our next topic here and our final topic of the show, the reverse retro jerseys. Nick has them up on our computer here. So um, really, there were jerseys that I thought, you know, were exceptional, uh, but there were a lot more this uh, this time that really struggled. I'm going to I'm going to uh, go. I'm going to say this, Nick. There is one jersey that is better than all of the rest of them. You're talking about the wild ones. No. Oh, no, no way. The best jersey in this group, hands down, without a doubt, the LA Kings. Oh, oh yeah. the, the LA Kings one is just head and shoulders above the rest. Those whites look good. The old retro crown that they have, the purple and, and gold, it looks fantastic. I think that they are definitely the best. Um, well, let's kind of go through. We, we have the picture here, so we have them in no particular order. We'll get to the wild one last. How does that sound? Sure. Um Let's kind of roll through here. Let's start about the the big hot topic one because it's in the top left here, Florida. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it either. I don't get the undying like, oh, my God, this is incredible type thing. It reminds me of a beer league jersey because it is, you know, and (laughs) it's it's a cool take using that secondary logo with the sun, the palm tree, the hockey stick. It's a lot of cool things going on there. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people have put it like top five, you know, top 10. I, I, I think points for creativity. I think it's maybe like in that eight to 15 range. I mean, it's, it's sure. decent and it's a creative look comparatively to the rest of them that we've seen. Um, but I, I don't understand the, you know, like, like a lot of, a lot of media outlets have them like top three, man. There's a bigger issue at play here with reverse retros because you talk about revenue streams. These are money grabs. Let's yeah. be real. Um, now, instead of, and here's an idea that I will pitch, which because remember Adidas did not renew their equipment deal um, for Jersey sponsorship yeah. after this season. Um, and now with the ESPN of the full, gosh, I hope it's Nike or maybe Under Armour that yeah. takes, you know, um, kill off the reverse retros. Like, just kill them. 
Because yeah. I, 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 I don't think this is a sustainable thing. I think that you're going to see this is the last time you're in a seat. And I don't think the intention was to go more than once. And then I think they were like, well, well, let's do it one more time to see if we can give teams one more chance and try to get a little bit of right. revenue back for an NHL, you know, program that was really struggling because yep. of the pandemic. So, yes. Uh, but I like the idea because I mean, geez, and the affiliate, the color rush jerseys, which I really, those are cool. Yeah. The NBA, they've got plenty of jerseys to choose from. Right. Um, and so, uh, and in baseball also a couple of, I mean, yeah, I would say let the teams like design a couple alternates. Yeah. So, so you're you saying, you're saying that the actual concept of the reverse retro, what's not for, and let's not forget what that is, is that it's to make something so reversed or so kind of like on brand yet off brand that it yeah. has this weird, unique twist. You're saying, it's supposed to be just, a throwback. Yeah, yeah, you're saying just let just let the teams design their own, design their own with their color palette. Well, the reverse retros aren't, aren't necessarily supposed to be throwbacks. They're supposed to be, um, especially the the original one was supposed to be a flip flop of yep. what colors and designs were going to be. So it was right. supposed to be this drastic thing. And now I think other teams, the Minnesota Wild included, are recognizing what works for their fan base. Right. And I think, you know, maybe this is the foundation to lay the groundwork for that. Yeah. Um, because again, I mean, there's, there's so much you can do with what the retro looks. Um, I think they were a cool idea. Um, but again, trying to make a cohesive league wide. I mean, as we see with this condition, the reverse retro, there's some yeah. that nail it. Some were just like, Ugh, what, yeah. do you do? what, what, what is well, this? Right. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, Detroit and Chicago, yeah. both terrible. Uh, I mean, is, dare I say lazy design? Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I, it's bad. bad. Um, actually, I really like Montreal's one in the top left there. The blues actually yep. look pretty good. Blues and for Montreal good. to kind of go out on a limb a little bit and incorporate a lot of blue into their jersey, something you don't see a whole lot from a very nope. traditional program. I think they did a really good job with that one for I me. That's like definitely that top five or top ten for me. I love the Pittsburgh, the old Penguin logo um, yeah. front and center. Yeah, um, that I'm, one looks nice. I'm going to go across the each row, I think, because I, I don't know how else to do this. Um, I The Calgary Flames one has been getting a lot of hate. If you look back, they actually used to have a jersey like this. They did. I like it. I got to be honest with you. I like it. And I know a lot of people are like, what the heck is this design? But you think back, they literally had that design. So it is a literal throwback. So that's, throwback, that's yeah. why I like it. Is it a, is it a pretty Jersey? Heck no, no. But to me, I like that historical, you know, kind of going out there a little bit. And like we've talked about, um, is that, uh, as everybody, it must be a lot of Flames fans behind us here, but, um, <laughs> you know, as everybody can see, the Flames have probably the best home and away uniforms in the league. Oh, for sure. Hands down, their Hands alternates down. are pretty good. So for them to kind of go out on a limb and have one that's, you know, maybe a little bit uncharacteristic, I, I like it. I like the move. I think it's getting a little bit too much hate in that regard. And here's the, and here's the, and here's the thing, right, Noah, because when we, when you look at, again, the reason for doing this, right, and yeah. that is to, to generate revenue. Um, the one thing I will tell you is that if the fans don't like it, they're not going to buy it. Yeah. So it kind of True. defeats the purpose. Uh, that's just me. Um, so well, let's do a couple more works. I think, you know, it's tough to describe these to an audience that isn't seeing them. Yeah. Um, um, I would say if you're listening and you have a chance, definitely pull it up on the initial website. We're looking at a graphic here. Uh, it's got you, all of them in one kind of picture, and maybe we can post a link to yeah. uh, to, to have folks yeah. look at it. If if you stick in Canada, Edmonton is awful. Um, uh, that's the old uh, oil pellet or whatever the heck that is. Yeah, the old spaceship. Yeah. Um, the Jets one is not. I don't, I don't mind. It's the not. Jets one. It's not terrible, but again, it kind of is very close to what they did with the baby blues. So, yep. um, d Toronto's. I don't mind Toronto's. It's just very meh. 
it's true i mean i mean it's tweaking yeah. a few things here and there it's not much different in yeah my like how do you not go with any toronto st pat's inspired about, stuff I know. well i think because they already do that everything yeah. every year um the how about the the sharks doing a throwback to the california seals yeah you know <laughs> that's a, that's a bold move <laughs> i don't mind it i thought it was funny because they go back to the white skates that's th- the big question i thought it was funny because people <laughs> people were like oh they look like football jerseys well no shit sherlock that that's what the original <laughs> that's ones they look were. like oh they my gosh it were. just says sharks instead of seals i like it i mean i think it's cool um the sharks have kind of nailed the jersey thing uh in recent memory though which is something that, that you look, definitely don't look good that you definitely don't say um how about a, one that was kind of um well, let's let's finish up with California, and then I'm going to circle over uh, across the country. Uh, the Ducks won. I don't I'm, mind the Ducks. I don't mind that they use that Mighty Ducks of Anaheim logo too much, though. Now, yeah, you know, it was, it's it's so iconic, reminiscent. Of yeah, that. yeah. So, I mean, it works. Yeah, um, and I think the one problem they'll run into as we get into more alternate jerseys in later years is, you know, have they burned it out? Yeah, and I think maybe they already have, um, because again, it's that old design, you know, sort of that diagonal lines when just the orange instead of that what teal or sort yeah. of that that blue that was the original or no, the dark purple, um, but it still looks good. It's still an iconic jersey. You're still going to have people that will will rush to the stores and grab it. So I don't mind it. Well, let's talk about iconic. People don't realize this. The Tampa Bay Lightning used to actually have this jersey as yes. a throwback. This is another throwback. A lot of people didn't like it. Again, I, like I said, it's an ugly ass jersey. Yes, it is. It is, but. Really, it has that, you know, memento, that throwback style thing. I don't know. I think it's kind of cheesy and cool in its own way. Uh, much better than the last one that they did, I think. Yeah. And at the end of it, again, I remember them wearing that jersey. Um, and it's it's weird. The one thing that's different is that that waves on the bottom there. Uh, yeah. That wasn't part of it. But um, again, designers, they do they do their thing. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> it's an it's an ugly jersey. But like I, I think it points for creativity and going outside of the box. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Some of these teams, I mean, like Detroit and Chicago, I guess they quote unquote played it safe. Detroit doesn't have a lot to work with. We get no. that. Mm-hmm. But like, ugh, man, um, Buffalo's is all right. Uh, the color scheme, not in red and black is kind of a weird thing. Weird. They have the old Sabres logo um, essentially in the new colors. Yep. Um, but it's not terrible. Not terrible. Yeah. Um, the Bruins one has been getting a lot of hate too with the with the teddy bear essentially on the front. I think it looks cool. I again for Boston, yeah. I mean, they, there's not much uh, with an original six that you can do with what they have. So, yeah. um, and that was an alternate jersey for a while for them too. Yeah, with, with you, the yellows. Yeah, it used um, to be a yellow, and um, in, as far as the main color scheme there. So, I mean, it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Of course, for those wondering, it's essentially like sawtooth bear slash pattern that they used to have the old yellow alternates back. Actually, when Phil Kessel would have been drafted Actually, yes. uh, for the mm-hmm. Bruins, uh, it's just flipped over. It's now a white jersey. It doesn't look bad, I don't think. Uh, the Predators going with their essentially their old retro uh, logo. Yeah. yeah, and the old uh, third jersey is the weird off-color yellow thing. Yep. I mean, points for creativity a little bit, but the original ones were ugly as heck, and these ones are not much better. No. Um, I don't think the Preds really have a whole lot to work with as far as the yellow part of the color scheme. The fact that no. they actually made yellow home jerseys work for as long as they have impresses me still. Yeah, because, I mean, they were with, with the Blues for a while, blue and silver. Well, speaking of Blues, yeah. let's talk about the Blues, also a yellow jersey for them. The logo on the crest is cool. It's a yellow jersey with uh, actually, white, don't mind the blues. white and blue. I, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it, they kind of went out there with that. It, it's just... It's essentially what their baby blues were with the two banding stripe, but they flipped the colors a little bit. The logo, like I said, on the front is really cool, but I just don't know that it sticks for St. Louis hockey. I... Again, reverse retros. 
next one here, I actually really like the Arizona Coyotes one. I know a lot of people have been giving them flack for the tan one. It's essentially the Kachina jerseys, the old purple ones, but it's tan. I don't think they look terrible, but also brown has never looked good on a hockey jersey no. in any capacity. So, yeah, we'll not, not a fan. I'm not a huge uh, fan of that one. A lot of people um, have ranked the Dallas Stars one pretty high. I don't know that I would. It's very, it's black with uh, green shoulders. It looks like a youth jersey. Arms. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much. The old Stars logo is cool, though. I like that. Um, the Canucks one, fantastic. Yep. The old lumber skating lumberjack logo, good yep. color scheme, good banding on the arms. This is probably a top three or top five for me 100%. for sure. Um, that's a good one. Seattle's is probably a miss for me. Um, not really much to work with. I was going to say, I'm not sure what else you could do with that. Yeah, it was supposed to be the old Metropolitan's logo, but just didn't really stick. I think, it, you know, I don't mind the striping and the color scheme, but, you know, maybe if you, instead of doing the logo, maybe you just wrote Seattle or something like yeah. on it, like, and maybe some cursive writing that may have looked all right. Yeah. Maybe it looked more vintage per se, but again, they wasn't, uh, I mean, what could they have done? Yeah, honestly? not really sure. What about the Space Needle, man? I have no idea. I uh, that would look awkward. <laughs> uh, Carolina Hurricanes, but as generic as you get. Very much back to like 0506 home jersey. Just um, about a lot of people. Uh, were we just finished up the second row here, so we got probably about uh nine or ten teams left to go here. Colorado, um, a lot of people have liked this one. I, I think it's out there a little bit, kind of a flip flop. The, the the secondary, secondary logo. C uh logo for them, and then the shoulders uh essentially dark in there, and the old um, I'm trying to remember who was it, the, the Rockies, maybe it the was Rockies, that yep. used to play, but yep. um kind of cool i people have this ranked pretty high on theirs i don't think it's amazing i don't know if Your it's a top three was, was legit the old quebec uh, yeah. logo that one was much better yeah i think uh, hard to top that one yeah um we'll get with that with a wild too but i think this is maybe like five to ten is where yeah. i would rank it it's a decent jersey but it's not like oh my god crazy that you know yeah. uh washington capitals love it yep love the old the old screaming eagle and the yep. Yeah, fantastic jersey. New York Rangers also going with the retro look. The, the, the Statue of Liberty yeah, looks the, great. The old uh, reminiscing Merrick Malik going between the legs yes. and Olaf Kolzig. You want to talk about a matchup there. Both of those work well, but I mean, they kind of play to their history. That's uh, no surprise there. The Blue Jackets one is a definite miss. That's uh, horrible. Yeah, flipping uh, the black and the blues for the shoulders here again. That's quite literally it. Yeah. That's quite literally yeah, it. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, the Sens one. A miss besides the logo on the front. They tried to go back to the old alternate back in 2007 with a little bit of pizzazz. Yeah, but like less at the same time. I, I don't know I don't what know they were either. trying to do there. Uh, Vegas is one that's getting... I don't mind that one. Yeah, I don't mind that one either. It's getting a tough time. Of course, the old... Everyone was like, what's with the lettering and the numbers? Well, it's actually a play on the old Excalibur hotel yes, that used correct. to be there. So... Um, I think it's cool. I, like I don't want better than their last one. Yeah, I don't want to say that Ve- anything that Vegas does is cool besides Phil Kessel right now, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, these aren't terrible. I mean, I would rank them probably like they're my top 10. Well, uh, yeah, like 12, 13, something like that. I mean, they weren't terrible. Like you mentioned, Penguins jerseys, fantastic. The, the old Penguins retro ones. logo, those were great. Philadelphia Flyers, meh. Eh, I mean, it's not terrible. They just aren't the, really. The arm, the arm banding is definitely weird because the, and you know, because it's, it's, I don't even know how you describe that. You think Chuck Fletcher had a hand in this one? Uh, no. <laughs> Two more teams before the Minnesota Wild here. He can't sign it to an eight-year extension, so no. Yeah, the New Jersey Devils also going with, I believe it still is the Colorado Rockies or Kansas City. Um, uh, Warriors? Yeah, what what were they? They're Mavericks? I don't remember what the heck they were. Maybe it was the Mavericks. Yeah, Chiefs, they, I have colors, no idea. The color, the color scheme, yeah. Anyway, it might be the Rockies, though, I think. But nonetheless, everyone was giving this one a hard time, too, because I know the last one they went with, the old, obviously, Christmas color Christmas ones. Color palette, I think yep. these ones are cool, too. 
And again, I like, like these ones. And again, you know, this is where when you're trying to essentially create a sort of a theme type jersey, you know, you're going to get this disparity. And again, I don't mind it. Uh, but again, I think, again, this more proves in our conversation. This will be the end of the reverse retros. Yeah, sure. last team uh, on the bottom right here. The, the old fishermen. Yeah, the Islanders logo. It's a great logo. I think the jersey was a miss, man. It just doesn't yep. have the same. That's not the same pop. Yeah, it just doesn't. You're missing the entire coloring on the bottom that the yep. original one had in the waves and stuff. And like, I get what they were trying to do, but I just don't think it. The arena agrees too. Definite miss. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, so last team reverse retros of Minnesota Wild going with essentially a green version of the the old North Star palette. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So uh, shoulders obviously looking a little more modern, so to speak. They use yep. the old NHL logo crest uh, on the collar, uh, the old vintage NHL seal, so to speak, back from 1978. Um, somebody said they look like the the subway. <laughs> jersey wrappings and they couldn't get out of their head i was like that's kind of funny they're not terrible um you know with, with the banding which would have been slightly different back in the 70s but pretty darn similar of course the current wild crest everyone's going oh the minnesota wild they went with the same design just reversed it oh you know they're not as good as the whites here's the thing number one yes and yes yeah the whites were pretty hard to top that yeah but number two as soon as the whites come out came out you know what Everybody in Minnesota said, you, yep. God, I wish we had a green, green one, one of these. Yep. Well, you got your wish. <laughs> there you go, man. I mean, the wild could literally make this their home and away if they get, could get the licensing rights. Right. Like, and, and I would be all for it, honestly. Right. And, and, you know, I guess to top off the, the, the reverse, the, the jerseys that I want in, in a sense. Right. And that is, you know, some good, a lot of meh, some bad, a lot of bad, a lot of bad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this will be, again, I, I hope that I, I like, New jerseys. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you can take a play you, on it. You like New Jersey's jerseys, or you like New Jerseys in the NHL? Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> I like new sweaters. How about that? Um, okay. New threads. <laughs> new unis. New unis. Yeah. Is there another way we can do this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> fans like him too. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> must have been a, a goal there for the, the North Dakota US 16s. You said right? Yeah, it has US to be North Dakota. Not like Minnesota would score, right? Yeah, Come right. On. No, no. Kidding. North Dakota wanted to shoot on Friday. That's all I care about. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you kind of hope that this sets the table for the, uh, and I kind of wish that each team could have like up to four or five different jerseys they can have in rotation. Yeah. Um, and another thing that this, and my final, you know, you know, megaphone moment for, yeah. for the night is uh, I kind of wish that the NHL and their Jersey pickings would do what the NBA does. Like have the home team pick, pick a Jersey. Yeah. Um, whether it's two weeks in advance or whatever or not, I know sometimes, with the jerseys that are limited run, at least that's how they're doing it now that they're, they're doing it kind of theme nights. Yeah. Screw that. Have the home team pick a Jersey and then go into your bag of, of your unis picking, you know, the opposite color, darker light. Yeah. Um, so that way it's not always dark for the home team. Um, I think again, the whites um, yeah. at home are really good for, for the Minnesota wild. And, um, and some teams have done that occasionally, you know, here's the thing. I actually don't know that there's a limit on how many jerseys you can carry besides I the fact there is, isn't besides the fact that you have to play a certain number of games in each Jersey. I think it's like That's eight or 12. It. So, I mean, yeah. that obviously narrows down. The right. number that you can obviously have, but Nick, I want to know this: who who are your top three? We've talked we talked about top three. Yeah, uh, can we also maybe do like top three worst? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So top three for me, as far as the best, uh, Vancouver, uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Uh, third one, jeez, I'm gonna have to go Vegas, honestly. Really? Yeah. 
Ah, interesting. I actually, I actually do like the Vegas jersey okay. quite a bit. Interesting. Uh, Top three worst for me. Um, well, Edmonton. Yeah, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. Um, trying to look around here. I'm not a fan of the Seals jersey, the Sharks. Really? Jersey. I'm not a huge. Fan I mean, I don't of hate it. it just because I get it, but like, yeah. I mean, it's not a great jersey, but it wasn't a great jersey then. I and mean, then Arizona. Not a fan of Arizona. Really? Slurs. Okay. No. Um, well, I'm going to start with my three worst: Detroit and Chicago. Jeez, Louise, brutal. Um, St. Louis Blues one for me is not great. I got to be honest. If not, if it wasn't that one, I would probably throw Edmonton or Carolina in there just because of how mad it is. Yeah. Um, as uh, Seattle's is a tough one too. Uh, as far as the three best, uh, LA Kings has to be the top spot for me. Um, it's in my top five. Yeah, certainly. Like you had also mentioned, the Vancouver one is a really tough one to pass up. Um, I certainly like it. Some of these other teams, like I like, you know, Washington, for example, but it's hard to put them in the top three because it's pretty much a mimicking. Right. Um, my third best one, I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild. I really am. I think it you is that, you know, but I, I do think it is that good. It's still a fantastic <laughs> a nice jersey. One. And I think yeah. a lot of people are turned off by the fact that, you know, they flip their jersey. Dude, who they, does who they does, did what it said? Reverse retro. Yeah. They reverse the reverse retro. Yeah. Come on. What who, do you want? Who, who doesn't want more North Star stuff? Apparently, you know what I mean? Like, like there's nobody that I've met besides Minnesota fans who are upset about the actual Dallas Stars not being the North Stars. There's nobody I've met in the country who have been like, oh, the North Stars palette, that sucked. Well, I would never wear North Stars stuff. Like, no, it was an iconic logo. It was a great color scheme, Subway or no Subway. And uh, it's still, you talk about a, a vintage brand that still sells a lot yeah. of merchandise. The North Stars still sells a ton of merchandise. Yeah. It's unreal. Well, I was sold on this episode. It was a pleasure to have you here in the Magic City, so Nick. Thank you, yes. Um, you know, obviously, uh, would you thank me? I mean, I'm not that important, but uh, um, please. Uh, but with that being said, of course, we are in the rank that we, you got to call some games. You got to kind of uh, mention it on the broadcast, too. But, you know, what a great experience. Uh, you did yes. buy me dinner actually twice, I believe. Maybe even three times. I think it was twice. Um, twice. I think it was twice. Uh, so take that, Caleb. Um, <laughs> but with that being no joke, he actually bought me dinner on the on the first time that we were here. So uh, with that being said, though, I mean, your time in the Magic City is about at an end. We got to do a live show for the first time since Sid Wolf back in. Do you know what the episode number is? I actually had to look no. it up. I have no idea. Would you like to take a guess? 65. You're actually really close. 69. Oh, shit. <laughs> ha ha. Um, <laughs> uh, with that, yeah, you know, so, uh, yeah, second second time that we've really done a live show since basically like episode four or five. Yeah, um, right. So, um, I mean, how is the experience? Obviously, for those who can't see the rest of the rink, 2550 is the capacity for this building, Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena. I mean, overall experience, how was it? Really cool, honestly. Really enjoyed it. Uh, really felt welcomed by the organization, yourself included. Uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, anytime you get to call a hockey game is fun. Right? Yeah. And uh, the, the on-ice play um, was great uh, yeah. between Aberdeen Good hockey. Um, and, and Minot. Um, some on, fights, too, for those who want to check out last week's episode. Yeah, there was uh, <laughs> there was some scrums. There yeah. were some scrums in the second period there. Uh, definitely emotions got the better of uh, the yeah. two teams Someone there. got cross-checked in the face, so that's kind of what started the fight, in yeah. case anyone was curious. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what you're supposed to do in that situation? You're supposed to walk away. Yeah, you know, actually, you're supposed to you're supposed to shake the other team's hand and buy them a, a sandwich. Yeah, like my like I bought you dinner twice. Yeah, like like Caleb. Supposed to give him a beer. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, right? so if Caleb hits you in the face, buy him his food. So exactly. Caleb, there That's, you go. There's, there's if you treat. want if yes. you want your food, you got to hit Nick in the face. Yes, <laughs> but all joking aside, 
was a oh, fantastic. Oh, I wasn't kidding. Oh, you weren't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stop horsing around. So, <laughs> that's an inside joke for those wondering. Um, but no, it was a fantastic weekend. I uh, really enjoyed my time. I uh, couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, hopefully we'll be back on the mic soon. Again, hopefully this weekend again with the uh, the back half of that second game uh, for the women's and then they continue to get some more opportunities from there. So yeah, thanks very much. Dude, absolutely awesome. It was a ton of fun here. For Nick, Max, and I'm Noah Grant, you can find us at Warming House and on Twitter, HussiesWarminghousePodcast.com or wherever you find your podcast. We're going to sign off here from Minot, North Dakota, and we will see you soon in the den. One-timer coming, they score! She scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.